Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland, and on this week's episode, our guest is Jared Willis of Sporting News, and we talk about a lot of stuff in this episode. The Cubs kind of so-so start, the up, you know, playing the game the right way, the Pirates not liking Javi Baez, and we look ahead to the Braves and Cardinals series. Now, the Braves series is over as we recorded this now. There was just the most amazing comeback, and the Cubs have had for like 10 years. Of course, we recorded this after the last Pirates game, so we don't know about that great comeback, but there was a great comeback on Saturday, so enjoy this uh, podcast, and here's Jared. So, Cubs season is underway, 12 games in, their record is 6-6. Six and six. I believe their record was 6-6 six and six after 12 games last year, too. Not sure about that, but it was close. So, how do you feel about the first two weeks of the season? Well, I think you know. On one hand, you look at a a five hundred record, and you you think this doesn't this doesn't seem at all like it should be a five hundred baseball team. Not even close, uh, especially given some of the teams they've played. But you know, if you take away the Pirates series, they were they had a winning record on the on the road to open the season, which is generally is better than what you expect, especially for such a long road trip to come home at, at five and four. But obviously it's disappointing then to drop two of three to the Pirates. But really I think, you know, they're just they came up against the Pirates at a time when Pittsburgh's just got their their bats are, are just on fire. Um, so they're very, very hard to beat right now, unless, like we saw on Wednesday night, um, unless the Cubs put up 13 runs. And so I don't think the Pirates are going to stay this way all season by any stretch. So it's just, you know, the way these things fall sometimes. Um, and so I'm, I don't feel super concerned about it, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> you know, there were a few times in the, the opening series where they looked a little sloppy and like things need to be tightened up a bit, but you know, I feel better about some of those things now. Um, got to be super happy with how the bullpen has done, uh, for the most part so far, you know, a couple of the guys you'd want to see some better starts from. Um, but again, it's April. We're, we're just, I guess two weeks in as of today. Um, and so there's so much season left and, I, you know, I'm, I'm far from the point where I'm going to start to worry about wins and losses. Yeah, it, it's kind of one of those things that's now like last year, of course, it dragged on until like the end of June. And then you right. did get worried. But like you said, it's only been two weeks and there's some good things that have, have emerged and some not so good things. But yeah, I like the bullpen. And there's some, I mean, Chris Bryant's hitting, Zobris is hitting. It was saw some good stuff from Schwarber actually this afternoon. Yeah, just lost, but going the other way. Right. Yeah, exactly. Going the other way, which is such a. I mean, you hear Madden talk about that so much about how that's something he looks for in hitters, and he wants to see them do that, like take the ball the other way, because it means that they are seeing the ball better and they're letting the ball travel just a bit more. Um, 
And then, but you know, when they make that contact, they can use more of the field and send the ball the other way. And I believe by the point, by the time that Schwarber hit his home run, the wind at Wrigley had already shifted. And so it was blowing in. Um, so I, you know, for him to hit it that hard and, and drive it that far at that point was a really good thing to see. So yeah, you're right. I mean, you got some guys like Bryant and, uh, uh, Zobris that are hitting really well and Contreras has been hitting well. And, you know, and Javi, you look at what he did on Tuesday and Wednesday and yeah, there's, there's a lot to feel good about, you know, it's not always translating the way that you want it to, but it's the way it goes. Yeah. And actually now that you mentioned Baez, he's been great and it's been really fun, but we had a kind of a, after the game today, we had a, a bit of a controversy build up with the pirates and Javi Baez. And apparently the pirates are not a fan of how Javi Baez conducts himself on the field. And it kind of broke out after the game today. Yeah, I was honestly, I was a little surprised to see that Clint hurdle had made those comments that he did. Um, especially given, you know, some of the personalities that he has on his roster now and has had in the past. Um, and it seemed to me like the kind of thing that a manager says after his team gets beat 13 to five, you know, and you're just, you're in a bad mood. Um, you know, would he say the same on a different day? Maybe not, but it was surprising to see hurdle being critical of Baez and Contreras. Um, and the, and I think the controversy with Baez in particular arose from the fact that on Wednesday night, he you know, one of his at bats, he popped the ball up and in frustration, he tossed the bat and he actually tossed it really high and pretty far. Um, and I was on Wednesday, I was, I was at Wrigley, I was in the press box and, um, you know, could, could see f- from there how far it traveled. And then what was interesting was after the game, when we were in the clubhouse and, and the, you know, the whole media scrum around Javi Baez. And he mentioned that, that at bat on his own, no one asked him about it. And he brought it up and said something to the effect that a teammate had made a comment to him about, Hey, you know, it, it didn't look so good for you to throw your bat up in the air like that. You know, what exactly the teammate said, or even who it was, he didn't say, you know, but he was obviously very like reflective about it. And it was, it was clear to him that, you know, that was something that he, he valued that critique, so to speak from his teammates. So, and then to see it spun in such a different direction afterward was, was surprising um, because it was very obvious that he had welcomed that, that feedback from his teammate about what he had done. And the fact that he, his big takeaway from a night when he had two home runs and four RBI and it's had such a big night at the plate, made some brilliant defensive plays that he was thinking about what a teammate had said to him, you know, about maybe a moment of not being totally professional. Um, that says a lot about his maturity. And so, yeah, it was surprising to see hurdle, criticizing him about playing the right way and, and that kind of silliness. Um, but like I said, I think that's, those are comments you make after your team gets pounded 13 to five and maybe on a different day, it, that stuff doesn't bother you so much. Yeah. And it's obviously clear. Like we, I mean, we've seen this over the past few years, the pirates do not like the Cubs. 
at all. Yeah. Now maybe it stems back to the wild card in 2015. I'm not sure, but they've had a long history. What was it? Um, was it Cole Garrett Cole saying that they weren't they weren't a very good team a couple years ago, and they're very salty about the Cubs. Yeah, there's definitely. It seems like there's some. Yeah, there's there's something there, and I wonder how much of it has to do with. You know, you think about the 2015 season, and and it kind of makes sense when you think about it because we forget that like the Pirates won 98 games that year, and they were a game ahead of the Cubs. And which is why they were hosting the wild card game. And, you know, the Cubs come in there and, and beat them pretty handily um, in the 2015 wild card. And so you could see why there would be some like residual tension about the Cubs. And then, of course, a year later in 2016, they go on to win the World Series. And, you know, here you have the Pirates who spent 20 years where they couldn't even field a, a team that would get a, a winning record. And then they finally get, you know, they had a window there um, of some very talented teams where they, they felt like, you know, it seemed like they had put together the right pieces um, for a team to be more successful than just wildcard appearances, but it just didn't work out. And now you've got a team where that window is, is definitely closing, it seems like. Um, and so I can understand why there'd be some some tension, but for them to be as as chippy as they have been is kind of surprising, especially given I feel like you need to remind Clint Hurdle, like, hey, your team's in first place and, and by a, a few games right now. So, you know, maybe be more focused on how you can maintain what your team is doing. Yeah, it, it yeah. seems like that would be a better, better, use, better use of your time to do that. But. And it is, it's kind of like there's this, this sort of this complex going on with a couple of the teams in the division where they seem more concerned about the Cubs than they are with themselves. Um, and maybe that's, you know, you think about like Milwaukee and Pittsburgh, they're smaller markets. They're, they just given the, the huge success that the Cubs have had the last few years and they, they can't match that right now. You know, maybe that's some of it, but yeah, yeah, I just, I, I, yeah I've got a theory too. Yeah, I, I want to say that um, you know you're talking about the, the, when they're at the home against the Cubs, the fans are decidedly pro Cubs. They right. get a lot of Cubs fans in Pittsburgh and Milwaukee for these home games, and that could build resentment having all these Cubs fans around. Oh, I, I yeah, I think you're definitely right. I think you're, you're spot on, like Milwaukee especially. I know that whole Wrigley North thing drives them nuts. I know they hate it, um, you know, which is why they, they had their Wisconsin-only pre-sale on their tickets back in February because they wanted to, you know, fill up the stands with Brewers fans for the Cubs series, and that didn't work out. Um, you know, at least it didn't seem that way, but uh, – yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with the Cubs fans travel so well. And so, you know, you're at your home park and here it is full of Cubs fans waving their W flags and singing Go Cubs Go. Um, yeah, I, I know that gets under, the, and not just like the fan base, but the teams themselves, because you know those players are, are are aware of that. They're at least somewhat conscious of the fact that here I am at, at my home park and the visiting team is better represented in the stands. Yeah. 
And you actually, um, I did see a couple things about who the player who um, talked to Baez after the game was, actually. Okay. Was there more that came out about that? A little bit more. Apparently, it was Pedro Strope. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, which kind of surprised me. But maybe it shouldn't because he's a veteran guy. Yeah, he's, yeah, you know what? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. He's he's a veteran and somebody who uh, he and Baez are, it seems like fairly good friends. Their lockers are next to each other. Um, and so that's interesting. Um, where did, did, did somebody write about that or where did you see that? I think like, I want to say Carrie Muscat or, okay. Or Jesse Rogers, one of them, it was a well, they, tweet. Yeah. They would be the ones who would know, you know, cause I was, I was there that night, but I didn't, you know, I didn't ask about that or I didn't like, you know, press, about that at all. Um, but maybe one of them today or something asked like a follow-up question. So interesting. That's, I would not have guessed him, but now that you say it, that makes sense. Yeah. I might, I'll look real quick and see. Okay. You keep talking about other stuff, but, um, so now like you talked about the rotation, it's been a mixed bag so far. What are, what are your thoughts on the rotation? I think over the course of the season, their rotation is going to be one of the, the strong points of the team. Um, there's just too much talent in that rotation for, for that not to happen. I, I think I, I, would, I will be genuinely surprised if at the end of the season, if we don't look back and say that that rotation wasn't a significant strength. Um, and, it's, you know, I think it's pretty normal. The first few starts for pitchers, like, Sometimes things just don't work quite as well as they normally would, or they're not getting the feel for the ball like they normally would. Um, Cause they're, you know, they're still pretty fresh off of spring training and it's a different, the environment of pitching in Arizona versus Chicago or some of these other places in April. It's, it's so much different. Um, and so I'm not really worried by any means cause we've seen, what they're capable of. I mean, I think to me, the one question is, you know, John Lester, as he gets older and says, maybe his velocity is, is starting to dip a little bit, how he adapts to that and how he adjusts the way he, he approaches hitters uh, will be interesting to follow. Cause I think he's capable of putting together another really good season. Um, and the guy that I'm really kind of keeping my eye on is Chatwood because I think, Talent and stuff-wise, that's one of the best five starters in, in all of baseball. Um, but, I, you know, we, we want to see if that comes to fruition. Yeah, and, you know, Hendricks has had a little bit of, I don't want to say control hiccups. Yeah. In a couple of these games where he's given up some, some hard contact. But, like, today he did a very good job of pitching around. He didn't have his best up, and he pitched pretty well even though they ended up losing the game. Yeah, it wasn't really um, – I today it was tough for me to kind of follow real closely, um, so I didn't really get to watch. Was he, was he leaving the ball up a lot, or what did he look like today? You know, it wasn't – he was kind of leaving the ball up, but it was just – he didn't have that, like, fine control on the corners. Some balls were leaking back over the middle of the plate a little bit. Yeah. So it, it led to some hard contact, but – he limited. They only gave up two runs. He only gave up two runs. Right. And it, so it he, he limited. Yeah. yeah. 
when the bullpen came in, there was the one big inning. Um, yeah. And I, th- I think again, like I said earlier, the way Pittsburgh has been hitting the ball, it'd, it'd be hard for any pitcher to, to not give up at least a few runs against them. Um, you know, just the way that their bats have been going and that's, that's bound to change. They're bound to cool off a little. They're going to go through a, a cold spell. Um, and so, you know, if I'm a pirates fan, enjoy it while you can't, while you can. Cause I, I just don't see them being at the, the top of the division for a real long time. Yeah. Well, I guess we can only hope if, as yeah, I mean, Cubs fans. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Maybe, uh, I'll, I'll be eating these words. I'll eat some crow a few months from now, but I just, I don't, there's not like, you know, Pittsburgh can't talent wise, cannot match um, the Cubs or even the Brewers or to some degree, the Cardinals. I just, I think they're going to take a nosedive at some point. It's just a matter of how long before that happens. Yeah. Of course, last year, we all said about the Brewers and they did take a nosedive, but it was not until much later than we expected. Yeah. And, and I was talking with somebody yesterday um, who said that the Cubs are kind of a second half team. Um, and he speculated that like last year and maybe this year, we'll see how it plays out. But the speculation was that because, because of their experience in 2015 and 2016 with going really deep in the playoffs, they have developed an understanding of how to approach the season. Um, meaning that like maybe in the first half you, you know, it's not that you're like, you're not trying to win, but maybe in the first half, like the, you don't have your foot all the way down on the pedal um, because you're pacing yourself. And cause they really understand like, it's a long season. And so we're not going to, you know, we're not going to kill ourselves in the beginning. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, it's a, it's a thing that you see in other sports too. Like I, I could cross sports and say like with the Blackhawks, they did that a lot where you're like, they don't really look like they're that into it. And then the playoffs would start and they would turn it on. Right. Or like, the golden state warriors have done a few times. Yeah. And I think, and, and I, I, you know, some, yeah, you'll see with NBA teams where, you know, they kind of understand the, you just get into the playoffs and then you, and then you take it from there. Um, and so maybe the Cubs with all, with all that experience, like they kind of understand, you know, cause they were what five and a half games behind the brewers at the all-star break last year. And then just, cruised through they were the, the one of the best teams in baseball in the second half last year um and you know they got in and obviously you know the playoffs didn't quite turn out the way that we all hoped but i think they it, it's an interesting hypothesis to me that you know maybe they're they're a second half team and maybe to some degree it's intentional and so I'll be, I'll be really, you know, come like July, August, we might have to revisit this question just to see if that's playing out um, in the same way. Yeah. And, oh, and I did look it up. It was um, Jesse Rogers okay. said that it was Pedro Strope that talked to him after the game. And he, he uh, Jesse kind of was sticking up for uh, Clint Hurdle and said, maybe he didn't know what Baez had said after the game, but. And yeah, that's true. Maybe, maybe he didn't, he wasn't aware 
of Baez's comments or the the tone with which he said them, because that's an easy thing to forget. Like, you know, I was standing right there watching him talk about it, and Clint Hurdle's over in the other side of the, you know, he's over in the other clubhouse, so he doesn't know. Um, so that's yeah, that's a fair point. So, yeah, if if Rogers says that it was stroke, then it it probably was, you know, because I'm sure he he asked around and and found out. You know, it's actually kind of funny that you know. I was going to say there's something in the water yesterday. It seemed like because we had Clint Hurdle's comments, but you also had the situation in Boston and uh, in Colorado. Yeah, so play the bait, play the game the right way at a big resurgence yesterday. Yeah, it was a it was an interesting day. Like you know, first you have the Arenado going after Luis Perdomo, um, and then yeah, the Boston New York stuff, which is. You know, it's kind of fun because I, I think, like, no matter who you're a fan of, you kind of enjoy the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry. You kind of have to. Like, it's just sort of fun um, to see both of those teams good and see them, like, at each other's throats like that. So, at least I, you know, that's the way I feel. But, yeah, last night, um, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the reporters and writers that were up in the press box had their laptops watching the the Yankees Red Sox game because of like the brawl and and the and all that. And so it was funny to see how you know they were a little more caught up in what was going on in in Boston last night. Yeah, and you know I'm firmly on the record that I tell everyone that I am for more fun in baseball. So yeah, I don't like any of these unwritten rules and all that. You know, you're you ran wrong, you slid wrong. I'm I'm pretty sick of that, but I guess that's what we have to deal with in baseball. Yeah, and I think I mean the one thing that like sometimes I think you know, like like what happened in Boston last night. So you know, you have the slide into second base that it did look like it was pretty clear that his foot was kind of up in the air and he was aiming it toward the shortstop. Um, so it was pretty, you know, I don't even want to say a dirty slide, but definitely like questionable. And so sometimes I feel like the, you know, the retaliation of like, now we're going to bean you sometimes feels a little, I don't know, like unnecessary to me. But I also, I think that what all of us need to recognize, you know, as observers of the sport is that is a totally different culture within the game um, for the people who play it and manage it and all of that. Like they are in their own world and we, we are just watching it and commenting on it and trying to make sense of it. But the, the culture behind, like, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, put, put my fastball on this guy's back or in his hip, you know, there's, there's a lot more to that than we see or will ever know about. And so we can get pretty judgmental about it pretty fast. Um, but sometimes I think it's, we need to appreciate the fact that that's their way of kind of policing themselves um, because these things can have ripple effects that could be a lot uglier or a lot worse if they didn't, they didn't do some of that stuff. I don't know if that's making a lot of sense, but um I think sometimes we read too much into their interpretation of like doing things the right way or how they expect certain things to be done. 
Yeah, it's a fair point because, like, we're not out there on the field. We don't play, so we don't, you know, the emotions are very high and people are going head-to-head against each other. And, yeah, you, you get kind of where you get, I don't know how, yeah, like you said, we, we're not a part of it, so we don't, like, when people start hitting people from, it just looks silly to us from the outside, but yeah. if you're actually part of the team or whatever, it might be more like, you know, these guys are after us or... And, you know, they, they talk a lot about like, you know, these guys on a team, they start to feel like, like a family to each other, which think about how much time they spend together. They, they, they are together every single day for a very large portion of the year. And so some of it too is, you know, if you have a family member who you think has been wronged in some way, and then you don't do anything to try to respond to that, um, then you have to deal with this family member who feels like you didn't stick up for them or advocate for them or, or whatever. And so some of it might just simply be, I have to, I've got to do something for my teammate. Um, and it's not about like, I'm trying to hurt this guy at the plate or, I want a benches clearing brawl to take place, but I want my teammate to know that I support him. Um, and so I think it's a lot more of that than it is like, I'm mad at this guy and I want to hurt him. Yeah. And you know, it is silly and stuff, but you know, it, when they happen, I know I do, but a lot of people, you got to see the highlight right away of the fight. Yeah. Well, and it was, it was kind of funny too. Cause you know, you've got the Yankees with two of the largest men in baseball on their roster. Like who, you know, who wants to go toe to toe with Aaron judge or, or John Carlos Stanton, um, in a benches clearing brawl. I I'd steer pretty clear of those guys and I'd, I'd go find somebody smaller. Yeah. You know, that was the most interesting part of the Rockies. One was we almost saw Mark McGuire, Nolan Arenado fight. Those are two large individuals. Yes. And even, even in his advanced years, Mark McGuire is still not a small man and not somebody I would want to be, have angry at me. No. Although from the looks of that highlight, I don't think I'd want Nolan Arenado mad at me. Either. Definitely not. Yeah. I have, to, I have to admit, I enjoyed the pitch Perdomo like, I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When Arenado comes charging at you like that, that's probably the best approach. Yeah, you know, my favorite move for the pitcher is to throw the glove and just run. Yeah. Well, yeah, you think the, the pitcher's got all the leverage, so. But, yeah, no, he threw that glove and he was gone, so. All right, well, I think I'll finish on on this end. We've got um, two more series for the Cubs at home before they head on the road, um, the Braves and the Cardinals. How do you feel about the next week coming up? Well, honestly, I, I don't think it's going to be a lot easier. Um, I think maybe the Braves are better than than people than Cubs fans realize quite yet. They've got a very young team with some some really good talent, like Dansby Swanson and Ozzy Alves, and you know their their pitching might be a bit of a question mark, and it looks like the Cubs might miss some of their better starters, but. Um, there's a lot of talent on that team. And so we might be a little surprised with how the Braves series turns out, or at least it won't be as easy as we expect. Um, 
And that is assuming that Chicago doesn't get rain slash snowed out over the weekend because the, the weather for Saturday and Sunday does not look pretty at all. So our biggest disappointment might actually be that they don't play. Um, and then, of course, there's St. Louis, which they haven't looked real sharp so far this season. But, you know, you, you know they're going to play up to the fact that, you know, here's our first series against the Cubs. We're in Chicago. We really want to beat them here. So next six games are, are, aren't going to be easy. Yeah, it's, you know, those Cardinals-Brewers games um, were the past week were pretty entertaining, but they were very badly played. Like They sure were. The yeah. collective defense between the Cardinals and Brewers is just awful. Well, and, and not to get, like, veered off into another subject, but Milwaukee has got a pretty serious problem with their defense. Um, and that's, you know, if you're trying to be competitive in a division – and you don't have a very strong starting pitching staff to begin with, which is crucial. And then you combine that with poor defense like that, that doesn't, that doesn't end well. Yeah. I actually was thinking about that. Like, what was it two years ago? When did the Cardinals have the like just tremendously bad defense? Um, well, it seems like they've had, you know, that, that that's been a bit of an issue for a little while now, but yeah, because yeah. this year's Brewers is right up there. Yeah, they're they're looking really rough. Um, yeah, I, I, I and honestly, that came as a bit of a surprise. It wasn't something I expected to to go on before the season began. But yeah, they've been su- surprisingly sloppy. Yeah, but no, like you said, the Cardinals are always going to play up when they go to Wrigley Field. So. Yeah, and I think, like I said, it's the first series between these two teams this year, and maybe they're, you know, depending on how things go against the Braves, maybe they'll come in thinking the Cubs look kind of vulnerable, and here's a chance to, you know, pick them off a little bit, get some wins, but yeah, we'll see. Think about the Braves first, and then go from there. Yeah, and one other factor that they'll close with is hopefully Rizzo is back by Monday. I don't know yeah, what his yeah. status is, but I believe that's the, the right now, the last I've heard is that's the hope is that he'll be back. I think I saw today that he was starting to do a little work in the batting cage. So, you know, he's, he's gradually kind of work his way back and, and be in the lineup. Um, I think all things considered, they've handled his absence really well. Um, you know, the fact that you score 13 runs, without Rizzo in the lineup at all is, you know, I mean, come on, that's, that's pretty amazing. Um, and so, but yeah, hopefully he's, he's back for that St. Louis series. And then you can go back to having Caratini as your backup and, and let Zobris play second base or in the outfield when you need him. Yeah. So hopefully that'll all slide into place. Yeah. Well, I guess that's all the questions I've got for now. I'll try to have you back sometime later in the year. Yeah, definitely. Anytime. Yeah, we'll see if uh, our Golden State Warriors slash Blackhawks series correct on the season. Yeah, maybe that, yeah. Pencil me in for like late July or like around the trade deadline just to see if I'm I'm right about that. Because, yeah, that'd be interesting to, to go to revisit. Yeah. 
All right. Well, thank you for coming on. Yeah. Happy to do it. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. We'll have a new episode soon.